Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Hosea, chapter 10. The book of Hosea, Hosea was a prophet. And you will find Hosea either by going to your uh, table of contents and looking at the number, or you can go to the middle of the Bible, which is about Psalms, and then you can keep going to the right, and you'll see Jeremiah, you'll see Daniel, and then you'll see Hosea. If you get to Joel, you've gone too far. So take a moment, if you will, turn the house lights up if we can so we can see. So... um, This message came about because um, I was driving to Pensacola earlier in the week, and as I was driving to Pensacola, I realized that it was going to be a while. And so I uh, was at kind of one of those stopping points, right? And I I went to YouTube, and I looked up one of my favorite preachers, and his name is Vance Havner. And um, that name might sound familiar to you because uh, I did a series on old school sermons and his sermon was one that I preached. Never done that before. That was kind of fun. Um, and And I found one that I hadn't listened to. And the title of his message was, It's About Time. And I thought, okay, sure, why not? I like Vance Havner because he was an old dude who when he spoke, his, his humor but his truth just pierced through whatever it was that you were, you were dealing with. And whatever, however you were listening, it just, it just came straight through. Vance Havner had a real burden. He had a very uh, sense of, uh, a big sense of urgency about him and, and about his preaching. And he wanted to make sure that, that, that people heard that, that it was time to make a choice. It was time to do something. And so the thing that, that, that I heard in that brief few moments of, of his message that I listened to it was one verse out of Hosea chapter 10. And that verse is verse 12. And so I want to start here and I want to jump off and, and, and I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit because I think if there's ever been a word to us as God's people, to me as a follower of Jesus, that word is Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. The scripture tells us in Hosea 10, it says, um, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. And that one phrase, break up your unplowed ground, just hit me like a ton of bricks. It just, it just rocked my world. And so it made me want to go back and ask the question, is there any unplowed ground in my own heart? So if you have a King James Version or a different version, you might have these words. Uh, break up your fallow ground. What is fallow ground? Well, it's, it's ground that is good ground, but it's just left alone. It's left to... To, for, for nature itself to grow whatever it wants to grow on it. And so there's weeds and there's rocks and it's basically ground that we haven't bothered to take the time to till yet. So it's potential, but that potential is not realized because we haven't put our hand to the plow. 
And I think the message that, it, that God has for us today is this. In each of our lives, there is likely unplowed ground. Ground that God has probably already spoken to us about. You know, one of the struggles of today, I told Kevin when I first, when I was leaving to go over to First Baptist Preach, I said, Kevin, you ever have one of those times where you know where you need to go, but you're not sure how to get there? Sometimes messages are like that. You, you, you know the point. You know what God wants to say, but you're not exactly sure how to get there. And it's frustrating. And at the end of the service just a few minutes ago, I heard God speak to me. And he said, Jeff, you don't need to tell them where to go. You don't need to tell them how to get there because they already know where there is. And so it's my belief that all of us, are, most of us anyways, already know where the unplowed ground is. We already know the part of our life that we're holding back. We're keeping in reserve. We're not putting in the effort. We're not putting in the work. We just, we're just keeping it there. And we, we haven't bothered to bring the plow because, well, after all, we got enough to do. Or because it scares us. Or because our pride is in the way. Or because it will make us or cause us to lose something. Or it will whatever, whatever, whatever. And so the word to us today as God's people is this. It's time to put your hand to the plow and begin to plow the fallow ground. So within context, though, let's look at this passage and let's, let's unpack it. It begins in verse 12 by saying, sow for yourselves righteousness. Notice it's sow for yourselves. It's not God, you do something. It's no, you do something. So many times in my life, I've been guilty of asking God to fix something that he's saying, no, I'm not going to fix it. It's your job to fix it. You got yourself in the mess. You get yourself out of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Lord, I've, I've borrowed $100,000 with all my different credit cards, and I've gotten into debt, and now the pressure's just too much. Lord, take this from me. Oh, well, of course I will. Of course I'll fix that. Is that what God does? No. Why? Because he's a good, good father. And good fathers don't just take away the burdens of their children. Good fathers teach their children not to get under burdens. Amen? Good fathers say, no, I'm not going to fix it for you, but I'm going to walk you through it, and I'm going to teach you how to fix it. And I'm going to make it painful enough that you never want to do this again. Uh, parents who just fix everything don't help. They just delay, right? And so when, when, I, when, I, when I look at this, he says, sow for yourselves righteousness. There is this weight of responsibility on us. There is this burden on us. It's not just, God, I want you to do something. How many times do we pray that God would do something? God, show up mightily. God, make, make your name great. God, we want to see this and we want to see that. And, and, and it's almost like if we could hear God uh, you know, speaking in an audible voice, it's almost like he's going, wait a minute, I want this more than you want it. What I need is for you to start doing something. You're asking me to fix it, but you're not moving a finger to fix it. Sow for yourselves righteousness. The scripture is commanding God's people to begin to do what is right 
and to sow what is right. And the opposite of that in verse 13, but you have planted, you have sown wickedness. He's saying to God's people here, you are to change your ways from sowing wickedness to sowing righteousness. And if you'll sow righteousness, you will reap the blessings. You will reap the fruit of God's unfailing love. The thing that I thought about as I read this passage again this morning is, is I was, I was kind of, not mesmerized, that's not the right word, but I was drawn to the fact that so many of the things that we deal with, so many of the problems we have are a direct result of us doing things our way. So many marriage issues are because we won't do it God's way. So many child issues are because we won't do it God's way. Not all, but so many. So many personal issues, so many money issues, so many friend issues, so many every issues is because we've said to God, God, no, I want to do it my way. And God goes, if you want to do it your way, go ahead, but it's not ever going to work out. Y'all with me this morning? Is it true? We take the reins and we say Jesus take the wheel, but really we got the wheel and the controls and everything else. And God is saying to us today, look, things are a wreck. We've got a dumpster fire in 2020. And it's by the grace of God that he's giving us the opportunity to reset and to restart. Last week's message, very, very simple. Do not treasure treasure for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy. Do not collect. Do not store up for yourselves treasure where, where it's temporary. Instead, Treasure, treasure, store up for yourselves, collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And a better way of saying that is to do things for the name of Jesus rather than for the name of Jeff. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up the fallow ground. Now, Fallow ground being hard until ground gives us a picture of what we're facing. What we're facing, if we're going to plow up the ground, is work. It's discomfort. It's sweat. It's blisters. It's slow going. It's uneasy. It's difficult. It's unattractive, it's unglorious or inglorious or whatever glorious that's supposed to be. There is, no, there is no beauty in the destruction of unplowed ground unless you see the beauty of the potential. See, no farmer would say to themselves, man, I've got this field over here, but I'm not going to touch it. I, I don't think I'm going to plant Half of my property. Now obviously sometimes they do give them a rest and the like. But you see for a farmer, every square inch of property he has is dollars. And it takes every square inch of property he has to make all the numbers work in the farm. And so it's crazy to think that a farmer is just going to let a piece of property sit barren. Unless of course the government pays him to do it, which that happens to be something that has happened in the past, still does. 
They'll pay you not to plant corn. Or they'll pay you not to do things. But left to his own devices, a farmer looks at his land and he says, there's money on the table if I leave that. There's potential there. There's people who will be fed. It's more work for me to plow that ground too, but I'm okay with that because if I put the work in, I'm going to get the harvest out. There's also more risk because you don't plant without great risk. And you don't start plowing without the intention of planting. And you don't ever plant unless you expect to reap a harvest. And in the kingdom of God, in our own lives, in the way that God has wired us and created us to be, He wants us to use every square inch of our life for His kingdom. He didn't give us acres and acres and acres that we could just hold back and keep in reserve. That we'll just keep that as a wetlands area or we'll just keep that as a a second chance or just in case. Everything He's given you in this moment, He expects you to plow. But here's the truth. You cannot plant anything on hard soil. Why? Because it's the nature of planting. Jesus actually had a parable. He said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, nothing's going to grow, right? He talked about seed that that fell on hard soil. He talked about seed that fell on rocky soil. He talked about seed that fell on, on weeded soil. Then he talked about a seed that fell on good soil. These three soils, when the seed fell, it, it, it produced nothing. But on that good soil, the seed that fell and, and rooted and grew, it produced a, 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 a harvest that was ten hundredfold, right? Same principle in our life. There are parts of our life, there are parts of our heart that we have left unplowed. You'll know that that part is in your heart because it's the part that when we start talking about this, you instantly try to put it out of your mind because you think and I think that if we don't think about it, we're not responsible for it, right? It's like if if, if we pretend it's not there, we don't have to deal with it. For some of us in this room, the unplowed ground is letting go of something that we hold as an idol. For some of us in this room, the unplowed ground is money. For some of us in this room, the unplowed ground is that we have our roots planted and we're not willing to uproot. For some of us in this room, the unplowed ground is our emotional sensitivity, meaning we're not going to step into that area because we don't want to be hurt. And if we're going to be, if there's a potential for being hurt, we're going to stay totally away. For some of us, the unplowed ground is ground that we don't know exactly what we're going to do with it, but we just know it's there. We don't even have a name for it. Am I speaking to anybody today but me? Here's here's the good news. The good news is when God says, hey, I recognize you got unplowed ground. The good news is that means that God is about to do something good. Let's look at the context, okay? I think this will be helpful. Break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord. Chapter 10, verse 1. Here's the context in which Hosea is speaking these words to the nation of Israel. 
The scripture says, Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself. As his fruit increased, he built more altars. And as his land prospered, he adorned his sacred stones. Their heart is deceitful, and now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will demolish their altars and destroy their sacred stones. When I started reading the context of this passage this week, what dawned on me is that Hosea 10 is an exact picture of 2020. I've heard it described, and I think it's true, 2020 in a lot of ways is a giant, massive dumpster fire. I mean, it started with some promise, and very soon the door, the, 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 the wind shifted, and it's just been one hit after another hit after another hit. We have the coronavirus, we have the division, we have the racial tensions, we have the, the hurricane, and then now we have all kinds of, of, of more tensions, and now we have a, 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 a political contest going on. That enough, that's enough to be a dumpster fire. But you put all, what I'm hearing and what I'm asking is, okay, what next? I mean, I'm already beaten and bloodied, what next? Anybody have that kind of, kind of thought? Just, just go ahead. If you're going to do it, just do it all, right? That's not fatalistic. That's just realistic looking at what's going on. But in the midst of that, I have such great hope because what I think God is doing is He is saying to us exactly what He said to Ho through Hosea in chapter 10. I'm going to tear down everything you're trusting in. I'm tearing down everything you're believing in. I'm tearing down all of your structures. I'm tearing down all of your governments. I'm tearing all of your social experiments. And I'm causing you to take a really hard look at who you are and why you exist. Amen. As a church, we've had to basically start all over. Literally on Tuesday at our staff meeting, we said these words... Everything's on the table. You want to know why? Because God is up to something and we don't want to miss it because we have something that we want to hold on to. And even if that something might be good, it might not be what God has for us. So everything's on the table. Y-E-S. Here you go, God. You have our yes. That's what breaking up your unfallow or the, your fallow ground means. It means putting a yes on the table when you don't even know the question. That is a beautifully, marvelously scary thing. But it's only scary in the fact that we don't know what's coming. It's not scary in the fact that we know who it is who is leading and guiding. So Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself. Now you look at that and you go, well, that's not so bad. No, the context in which it's written is very bad. So this... Came out of my backyard yesterday. Hey, I'm ringing up here still. I have to pull it in. So this is, is what came out of my yard yesterday. Um, I decided I would take the chainsaw and I would try to clean up some of the, some of the wreckage. And, uh, you know, I've, I had some trees that had been cracked and they call those uh, widow makers. And so I was going to... And what I found is that my trees were held together by vines. I brought a small one. I've got some that are that thick. You know what a vine is good for? Absolutely nothing. This vine, do you see, it just keeps going and going and going. It's sucking up nutrients out of the earth and it's clogging my view. And if left unattended, it grows out of control and begins to own the place. God was saying to Israel, 
You are a spreading vine. And you bring forth fruit for yourself. Fruit for himself. Meaning the fruit was about... The the fruit was selfish fruit. It was bad fruit. It was impotent fruit. It wasn't something that blessed the nations and it wasn't something that blessed God. It was fruit that they bore for themselves and they look at it and go, oh my, look at what great vine we have here. And God says, that is pointless. That is worthless. And it makes me wonder, how much of our life are we, are we bearing fruit that really is only benefiting us? That's the real question. Is your life about you and what you benefit from it? Or is your life about something bigger? I'll be honest, it's really hard to plow up ground when you know that plowing up the ground means you're going to have to work more. Because not one of us in this room enjoys being uncomfortable. Not one of us in this room is not looking towards the day of more fun, less work. At least, right? Does anybody out there say, you know what? I really hope that the longer I live, the harder it gets. Anybody? Can I see your hand? No. No, it's the opposite. We, we're like, look, I'm getting older. I'm running out of steam. I'm, 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 I'm getting in a good, comfortable part of life. And God says, I've not, I've not called you to be comfortable. I've called you to be faithful. And I hope you hear the, 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 the urgency and the, the passion in which I'm saying this. Because, and this is, not, this is not preaching at you. I'm sharing with you what God said to Israel because I believe that if we'll get this right, we will open up a whole new world for ourselves. Let me say it differently. God will open up a whole new world for ourselves. It's like we'll go from looking in black and white to seeing in full color. And the thing that's keeping us from the full color is that we're not bothering to plow up some of our ground. So what is it that keeps us from plowing the ground? Number one, he speaks of it right here. It's sin. By the way, they were a very religious people. They saw their vines and they saw their fruit and they said, man, this is great. We've been blessed. They called the blessing a blessing from God when it wasn't a blessing from God. It was actually just the fruit of their own hands. I don't know if you know this, but you and I cannot reproduce the blessings of God. We can only manufacture parts of what God could do. In other words, I can work hard all of my life and produce some kind of fruit out of, born out of the labor of my own hands. And that looks great until I put it next to God's fruit. And when I compare them side by side, I would look and I would be ashamed because I would see that what God had in store was far greater and far more marvelous. Does that make sense? It, it, it's, like, it, it's like when you were in middle school and you created a science project and you were so proud of it. And then you took it to school and you saw that your little teeny tiny project was nothing compared to... The, do you remember that? That's a humiliating thing, by the way. Just curious, how many of y'all made a volcano? Nobody? 
That's, a, that's, a, that's like the timeless project, right? My older brother, well, Michael, you know Michael. He did a science project that actually, I don't know if it was about his subject or if we were actually his subjects. No joke. He had a, a, a mouse, had it in his room, and his science project was, what is the effect of constant heavy metal on a mouse for a month? So in our house, we heard this heavy... Now, y'all, if you're like younger than me, you're like, heavy metal, what's that? Trust me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so so he, he, he had a, a, a tank or a cage or whatever, and he, he took two speakers and he played like, like Metallica and stuff, right? Forcing this rat to listen to this. I'm pretty sure the rat took his own life, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it was horrible. That was his science for a project, right? That, I, I have no idea why I was telling you that. Darn. Actually, I do. Because I made a volcano. You take what you make and you're so proud of it until you see it compared to what somebody else did. And you go, oh man, did I miss the mark. Here's what I want you to know. Everything we can accomplish on our own strength and everything we can accomplish with our own wisdom and our own power, when we put it up next to what God had in store, it will always fall short and it will always be inferior. And yet we somehow still, with the hardness of our hearts, will not let God have pieces and parts of our life. We still somehow believe that we can do it better. And I'm here to tell you, we can't do it better. Plow up your unplowed ground. Verse 2, the heart is deceitful, and now they must bear their guilt. In other words, they're carrying the weight of their decision to reject the Lord. The Lord will demolish their altars, and He will destroy their sacred stones. I think, my opinion, that is what God is doing in us in 2020. He's showing us that as good as we think we have it, it's nothing like compared to what He has in store. So why will we not plow our ground? Number one, because of sin. Because we love, ultimately we love sin more than we love God. We want to say it differently. We want to pretend like it's different. But the reality is, if we choose sin, we're simply saying, I love this more than I love God. The good news is God's grace is sufficient. Don't hear condemnation. I hope you hear hope. But we cannot have both. The reason we don't, um, we don't plow our ground, not only because of sin, but because of pride. Be because for some reason or another, we don't want to admit that that is where we are unplowed. Some reason or another, we don't want to deal with that. And the Bible tells us that pride comes before the fall. Well, guess what? It's the end of summer. It's about to be the fall. Maybe pride is an issue. One of the reasons we don't plow our ground is because we're afraid. Here's what I don't understand. Why in the world would we ever be afraid that God is going to do something in us, to us, or through us that is not ultimately the best possible thing He could do? There's an old song. It's called, don't, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. 
It's a song about a guy who's in church and he, there's a missionary giving a presentation and the guy is hearing God's voice to surrender and the guy is saying, look, I'll do anything, but please don't send me to Africa. And it carries the idea of if you say yes to God without knowing the question, then God is going to get you. He's going to do something to make your life absolutely horribly miserable. We somehow feel like saying yes to God is giving God carte blanche ability to just totally destroy our lives. And my question to that is this. What does that say about what we believe or who we believe God actually is if that's what we believe? If you believe that God is just looking for an opportunity to mess your life up, then you don't know the God of the Bible. Because Jesus said, when you pray, say, Abba, Father. You're talking about a dictator. You're not talking about a father. We believe that God wants to destroy us if we're holding back land or or the the parts of our life that we we don't want to yield to Him because we're afraid of what He'll do. Now the truth is, God does sometimes put us in uncomfortable situations. He does sometimes take things away. He does sometimes put things in that, that test us and challenge us. But isn't that what a loving father is supposed to do? You say, yeah, but I'll do anything but. Let me tell you something. When you say, I'll do anything but, that is an area of your life that there's fear and idolatry. How can I say that? Because if you're unwilling to give that to God, then that is more important than Him. I do anything but move. I do anything but give. I do anything but serve. I do anything but forgive. I do anything but. That's untilled fallow ground. We don't till the ground sometimes because of fear. We also don't till the ground sometimes because we know the work that it will take. I want you to think about this. Untilled ground is hard. You cannot, you cannot plant in untilled ground, in fallow ground, without breaking the surface. Think about the impact, the force that it takes to till the ground. If you come over to my house and you go to my front yard, you will find that my front yard is almost as hard as concrete. No joke. It is firmly packed. And not only is it just firmly packed, but if you try to dig through it, you can get about two inches before you hit some roots. And I have a root bed about that thick that covers my entire yard. I don't know if it's a Gulf Breeze thing or just a Spoonie thing, but it's miserable to try to dig in my yard. I don't have grass because I don't want to put in the effort of trying to put in all that it would take to keep my grass good. And so basically I am perfectly content with a dirt yard. But here's what I know. I know that there's great potential if I would just put my hand to the plow. We're afraid of the work 
And quite frankly, the older we get, the less, I've already said this, the less work we want to do. But it's really the opposite. The older we get, the more work we can do. The older you get, the more resources you should have. The older you get, the more time you should have. It's kind of weird, actually. You know, not having little kids in the house, but having self-sufficient teenagers, only one of which lives in the house. Not having to... I mean, just I mean, it, it, there's a sense of freedom that is, oh man, if I'd have known this was coming, I'd have had more hope a whole lot sooner. <laughs> now, some of y'all with little ones in the house, you, you, don't see the, you don't see this, but I'm telling you, it really gets good. Amen? How many of y'all experiencing that right now? The, the good part, right? It's like this weight off your shoulders, right? And there gets a point, though, where you start enjoying it. You just kind of get into a groove and you're like, hey, let's just keep this going, right? Let's not wake a sleeping baby. Let's not mess anything up. But that's allowing ground to be untilled. Here's a personal example. So, you know, we went through a day or two of mourning when when our daughters left. You know, we, we make them think it was like weeks and weeks and we just stayed up every night crying for them. But we didn't. We were like, okay, this is good. So we got Joshua, right? But Shannon and I were looking around going, man, we, we just did an addition to the house. We got all this space now. Man, this is, this is, this is it's clean, right? We don't have stuff in now and we're kind of clean anyways. You know, it's my fault obviously, but. I'm not joking, seriously. And then Shannon and I discovered that there's a need for college group. And to be real honest, I'm kind of, I'm kind of protective about my house time. I mean, I, like, like I love doing work, but when it's time to go home, like I just want to be home and not have to, not have to talk to anybody, right? I want to close the door, you know. I just, I, do y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You just, it's, it's, it's mi, mi casa. Mi casa no su casa, mi casa, right? <laughs> I mean, I just, I just want to. But Shannon and I were talking, we we're like, you know, when Sarah and Hannah, well, when Sarah was here, she had all of her friends come over. That was really fun. But you see, we could like leave and Sarah would deal with stuff, right? Like Shannon and I could go to bed and like, they could just clean up and have fun, and it was, that, was, that was a perfect situation. And we're like, man, we're actually going to have to be the entertainers. We're going to have to actually host and do the clean. Do we really want to open the house? Kind of a struggle. Then we're looking for a night going, which night of the week do we want to give up, right? And then we finally decided, you know, God didn't give us this house so we could sit and watch TV and just enjoy looking at it. We have space so that it can be filled with people. So I said, let's do the college group. So for the last two Wednesday nights, we've had a dozen or so college students in our living room. From about 6.45 to about 11.30. And the last two Wednesday nights have been marvelously 
satisfying. Why? Because God has given us the opportunity to bless a group of students, not only with food, but with just relationship. You've got some amazing young adults in this place. I'm telling you, they're phenomenal. They're respectful. They're, they're, they're searching after the Scriptures. They're, they're wanting to know God. And my point in telling you that is this, that it would have been so easy for us to just say, just let them go to somebody else's house. But had we done that, we would have robbed ourselves from an incredible joy. And tacos. <laughs> Something about Wednesday night, we had tacos. I've made tacos like four times in the last three days. We're having tacos for lunch today, actually. Come on over. But, but do, you, do you see what I'm saying there? It's a simple thing. And yet God says, if you'll simply start working the ground, I will do in that ground far more than you could ever ask or imagine or even desire. And so that's the message today. Like I said, I... I I wasn't sure how to get where I'm going. I just know where we're supposed to go. And where we're supposed to go is this. Break up your untilled ground. What area of your life is untilled? What area of your life have you just let the weeds grow? Put on your boots, grab a pair of gloves, get a shovel, and start digging. And then experience the true joy and satisfaction of knowing that God has got more for you, not less. If you're watching by Facebook, you haven't stayed this long without God having a purpose for it. So I'm going to say to you as well, break up your fallow ground. I'm going to look at each of you. What area of land do you need to start paying attention to? Is it sin? Is it pride? Is it the work? Is it comfort? Is it fear? Jesus has a purpose for it. Won't you let him do it? Grab a shovel and get to work. Father, I pray that today you give us the courage. God, I pray that today you'd give us the, uh, the humility to allow you into those areas of our life that we have since kept you out of. Father, we've shut the door and we've locked it. We think we've thrown away the key, but God, we invite you into the areas of our life that are unplanted. Father, I pray for your people today. 
Lord, as we pray in staff meeting, we're asking for a, a genuine sense of revival. That you would do something in us that would surprise us. Father, we do believe that you are a good God. You do know the plans that you have for us. But Father, as I lay on my bed last night, going to sleep, my, my prayer to you is the prayer that I ask all of us to make. God, my prayer to you was simply this. More of a statement. God, anywhere, anytime, any cost, any way. God, my life is not my own. I don't want to leave anything in the tank. God, I don't want to leave anything in reserve. I want you to be honored and glorified through every fiber, every cell, every molecule of my body. I pray this, God, we pray this in Jesus' name. I want to invite you as we are going to sing this song again. Um, I want to invite you to take, Kevin mentioned earlier, just being still before God. I want to invite you to be still before Him and ask Him to, to help you say yes to whatever it is you need to say yes to. And I want you to find joy in obedience. Reap the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of His unfailing love. Will you stand? If you need to turn to the person next to you and pray with them, you do that. If you need to come and kneel, you do that. If you need to speak to one of your pastors, you do that. Let's just take a moment and let God have His way this morning.